Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. When I had rentals, I used a property management company and I left most of that in their hands. They would make suggestions to me about raising rents, but they, because they were in the, in the business and they had you know hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of rentals that they managed, they watched the trends and they watched the market really, really closely and they knew exactly what rents could and should be each year. And so I would, I would usually just follow their advice. I didn't get too deep into the weeds myself. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on the show, Just Start Real Estate. You know, because you're here, I don't have to tell you the name of the show, do I? Well, Just Start Real Estate, in case I do. Uh, I am happy to have you here. This is my typical Thursday replay of my Q&A that I do on Wednesdays, where I answer your questions live. Uh, and it's a blast. We have a lot of fun. You should join us live if you haven't. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am on YouTube. I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Live asking or answering, I should say, answering your questions. Uh, Facebook's convenient because it's right there and you can ask questions. A couple of those platforms I don't think allow you to ask questions. But if you go on um, YouTube, uh, if you just look for Mike Simmons on t YouTube or go to Just Start Real Estate on Facebook or uh, Mike Simmons on Instagram, you can check me out and ask questions and interact and it's live and fun and we have a blast. So uh, hopefully you'll you'll join me live. But if not, this is a great second option is to come here and hear all of the answers to all the questions at your convenience. And we had a good show. We had some really good questions, uh, some folks asking about um, some some like rental questions, uh, specifically some uh, folks that were in the process of buying multifamily or have bought some multifamily and they wanted to know some things about how to get the tenants to leave ASAP without being a bad person or being a jerk. Like, how do you make it a win-win? We talked about that. We talked about how to find the owners of a multifamily when you're trying to market and buy them. Um, we also talked about what it, how you raise rents. Uh, how do you anticipate what rents will be so that you can raise them appropriately? Uh, we talked about that. And then we had a long uh, 
I shouldn't say discussion because I talked for a while, but about personality profiles and whether or not they're useful for hiring. What are the pros and cons? Are they good? Do I use them? And how do I use them? And what do they mean to me? And how do I use them in order to hire better and to manage better? And I had a, a pretty long answer. It was a very uh, in-depth, I think, um, kind of a conversation there about um, personality profiles and how they affect your hiring and managing. So really, really fun episode. I think there was a lot of good nuggets in here for everyone. So hopefully you enjoy this. I give you my latest Q&A. All right, we are here. Uh, that's an abrupt ending to that that little intro. I got to figure that out. But here we are, guys. It's, we're live again. It's Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Um, and I'm happy to be back with you guys. Happy to be here. Uh, if you haven't heard, if you're not on my uh, email list uh, or you don't listen to my podcast or you generally don't follow me except for on Wednesdays, uh, I have just created something that I'm really excited about and I'm happy to talk about it here too. Uh, I know we did last week. We I mentioned it last week, but for those of you who weren't there, uh, I just want to tell you again. So the number, probably the number one question that I have gotten over the past decade and specifically over the last five or six years from investors um, that are both uh, already have some success and newer investors. There's one thing that I hear over and over again, and it's I need more leads or I can't find leads or my marketing's not working or something about generating leads and doing marketing. And so I have taken it upon myself to solve this problem single-handedly. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting choked up talking about it. I'm, I'm, I'm handling this all by myself. I'm going to fix this global problem all on my own. And I've already done it. I created a video series that goes through my direct marketing process. And by the way, direct marketing is almost exclusively responsible for the last, say, six years um, of revenue and growth and success in my business. Now, over the last year, year and a half, we've we've done a lot more with some PPC and some other stuff. But prior to that, I would say 75% of my success and the revenue that I've made uh, and the growth that I've experienced is due to direct mail. <clears throat> and I calculated recently that I have spent a little over a million dollars in the last seven years on direct mail trying to figure out what works, what doesn't, and cracking that code. And I have had a ton of success with it. And I think that I have cracked that code. And I know what it takes to be successful in direct mail. And so I put together a video series for you. But here's the best part. Unlike most people, no kidding, uh, it is free. It's totally free for you. You can go and download it and watch it and enjoy it and have it forever. And it's totally free of charge. All you have to do is go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. So mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. And I completely walk you through my process, all the services I use, all the vendors I use. How do I get it mailed? How do I pull my list? what I pay, what my card is. I give you my best performing card. I just give that as a download. So you can just take it and use it. And if you don't want to watch the videos, you don't have to. But I really think you should. Because in the videos, I not only give you my card, but I also I also break the card down. So you know why it works. Why, did, why this card? Why not some other card? Why not just any card, right? Why does this one work? And if you needed to in the future, I really go in depth about 
not only why it works, but how you could use those elements in the future on a different card. If you wanted to come up with an A-B test or you want to just test a different card to see if you can do a little bit better, you should do that. But it's hard to do that if I just give you a card and that's it. You don't know anything like I want to explain it so you can actually create your own. It's sort of that give a man a fish versus teach a man a fish. I could give you the fish and you would eat today, but what happens in a year or in two years when maybe that card isn't working as well for you potentially and you need to come up with something on your own. So that's why I also want to break it down and give you all my resources and all that. So if you go to mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail, it's on the screen. If you're watching this or if you're here with me live, go there and check it out. It's totally free. So what's better than free? What's it, There's no harm. Even if you watch it and you go, this guy's crazy and doesn't know what he's talking about, it was still free. So go and get that. <clears throat> okay. Uh, let's dive into today's questions. Like I said, we get these things emailed to us. We get them in DMs and uh, I bring them on here and answer them. I used to I used to send people direct messages and I would email them back with their questions. But what happens over time is I, I just answer a lot of similar questions over and over again. So this, I think, is a much better format. I can sort of everyone can get the advantage of hearing the answers. And sometimes I'm answering questions that you wouldn't even have thought to ask. And so you can just sort of be a fly in the wall and, and listen to those answers and dive in and participate if you so choose. So here we go. Uh, OK, first question. I bought a duplex and I need advice for how to get the tenants to vacate as soon as possible so I can do a full rehab. Both tenants are month to month and have been there a long time. How can I create a win-win for all? <clears throat> okay, so the first part of the question, I was totally with you and I'm like, no problem. We can get them to vacate very quickly. But then you hit me with the win-win and it's very tough to create a win-win when it comes to a tenant if they don't wanna leave. And so if you bought this duplex and you talk to the tenants and they're like, yeah, we're happy. We never wanna, we never wanna leave. It's hard to create a win for someone when their goals are not aligned with your goals. So I don't know that you create a huge win for them. Now, there's ways to not be a jerk about it, right? I mean, there's definitely ways to do it. Um, so if if you're going to re fully rehab it, you need them out. And I'm assuming that you want to re-rent to somebody else. Now, if that's not the case and you want to just be a good person, you could rent them a room or something or rent them a house for a couple of months until you renovate it. But that doesn't sound economical and it doesn't sound like anything that I would imagine you, you want to do. <clears throat> so if you want them out as soon as possible, you've got a couple choices. You either raise the rent considerably so that if they stay, it doesn't matter because you're getting crazy great rent and high rent, you know, so you can do that or you can just simply give them a 30 day notice and say, Hey, I'm, I need you to, to vacate. We're going to, we're going to, you know, do some work on this. And, um, I, I just, I, I don't want to renew your month to month, uh, agreement. I, I just want to move on. So, um, you can give them that notice to move out. Uh, and I've, you know, honestly, I had, um, over 20 rentals going into 2021 or pretty close to it. I had started selling some of them, I think before 2021, but I went into that year with a lot of rentals and I gave a lot of tenants notice because everybody was month to month and I wanted to sell. I didn't want to rehab. I, I just wanted to sell. And so uh, I've done it. I've been there. I've given the 30 day notice and just said, hey, we're not going to renew anything here. We want to move on. So um, you can certainly do that if you want to give them like cash for keys kind of a thing like, hey, I'm going to renovate this and do some other stuff and I kind of need you to move on. But 
I can give you 500 bucks that will help you with a, you know, like a first month's rent or something on your next, on your next property. Like you can choose to do anything if you want to truly make it a win-win, you know, because like I said, if somebody doesn't want to move out of your duplex, it's tough to give them a win if they, if you're forcing them out. Right. But if you're going to do it and you're trying to make it as painless as possible, give them 30 days, um, give them a little bit of parting money so that they have a little bit of cash if they have to put something down on the next rental. And that's about all you can do. I mean, that's the nice way to go. Maybe the not as nice way to go is to say, you're out of here in 30 days. You got 30 days to leave uh, and or raise their rent significantly to something <clears throat> that, you know, would make it so that you're not as bummed if you can't renovate it. But sounds like you want to renovate it totally fine with you you know you own the place it's not you don't have an obligation to let them live there forever so you can just tell them 30 days and either give them some cash to to kind of make that happen quietly and comfortably and not cause a fight and you know not destroy the place on the way out <clears throat> a lot of investors do that so those would be the things you could try um it, it's one thing to get a tenant out uh and, and again you're saying like asap i think i read that in here right uh, how to get to, as soon as possible, right? You want to get them out as soon as possible. So, I mean, it's like, you got a rock in a hard place here. If they don't want to leave, it's hard to get them out soon. If you want to get them out soon, you could offer them a little bit of cash. That's probably a nice way to go about it. If you, if you want to go that route, but it's your house at the end of the day. And if they don't have a lease, that's more than a month, you're well within your rights to, to tell them you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna renew and you want to do some work to the place and you know, you have different thoughts on how you want to move forward. Like that's, it's up to you. So that's what I would do. <clears throat> it's tough to make it a win-win, but you could try. Okay. Sorry, guys. I have a little bit of a throw thing here. I'm going to take a drink while the next question comes up. <clears throat> okay. Next question. I have a list of small multifamily properties, which I'm planning on mailing letters to, and many of them are LLC owned. The skip tracer I used didn't give me many of the owner's mailing address. Any advice? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so the quick and easy advice is uh, there's a service that I use, that I know of and I use and that I like, and it's called uh, Lead Fusion. That's L-E-A-D-F-U-Z-I-O-N.com. Leadfusion.com. Uh, you can skip trace LLCs uh, on their site. And I believe you can do them as a one-off. So if you don't have a lot of them, you can just do a few or you can send in a list and do a bunch. So that would be the first place I would go. The other thing you could do is you could put a note on their door. You could, you know, a sticky note on the door. Um, you could knock on the door of the multifamilies and ask whoever's living there, who they pay rent to, um, who, the, who owns the place. And you could kind of go like boots on the ground, like, roll up your sleeves and go out there and find the people who own it. Like that's viable and, and totally fine. Um, I don't see why the tenants wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily tell you unless they just don't want you buying it. But um, you know, you could do whatever. I mean, you could be, you know, an insurance adjuster for all they know, but you could ask them for the information, but I would go to lead fusion first. Like I would always go the desktop route first and see if I could just find it from the comfort of my, of my desk. Um, but if you can't just go out there and, and talk to the people and ask questions or ask, you know, the house next door, like, Hey, do you ever talk to the owners of this place? There's a good chance. The multifamily owners have had communication with, you know, people around the multifamily unit, uh, for various reasons, you know, maybe some of them cut the lawn or maybe they have a maintenance person who lives on site or just off site, you know, a house nearby. <clears throat> so that's what I would do. I would just go 
boots on the ground if I couldn't find it. But try Lead Fusion and try if they don't have it, try other places. But um, I think Lead Fusion will have it. They're pretty good. I think they'll have that. So go and check them out. But that's what I would do. Sometimes you just have to get your uh, your hands a little dirty and strap on your boots and go out there and find stuff. <clears throat> okay, next question, please. Okay, for buy and hold properties, how do I go about raising rents each year and projecting rental growth? What data do you use to determine the increase? <clears throat> um, so for me, in the past, when I had rentals, I just, just said I, I sold them all. But when I had rentals, I used a property management company. And I left most of that in their hands. They would make suggestions to me about raising rents. But they, because they were in the, in the business and they had you know hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of rentals that they managed, they watched the trends and they watched the market really, really closely. And they knew exactly what rents could and should be each year. And so I would I would usually just follow their advice. I didn't get too deep into the weeds myself. Um, but you could go back and you don't necessarily, you know, the best way to forecast sometimes is to look at the past. So I would go back if I were doing this myself and I would want to look at rent rates over the last 36 months and I would look for trends. And if it's just like up and down, up and down, up and down, it's going to be tough, right? But if you see this gradual slope upward, then you you can just kind of calculate each year, year over year, how much of rent increased. And it's fair assumption to say whatever has happened the last three years, the average of that very well will happen in the following year. Um, but I'll be honest, I don't get deep into those analytics for rentals because A, I sold all my rentals. But B, when I did, I trusted people who their entire existence revolved around the rental world and how to maximize all that because they benefited from higher rents too, right? Because they could charge more. So I knew they were always fighting to push the rents to the top of the market. And so I usually went with their gut. And if I thought they were too low, I would tell them. If I thought they were too high, I would question it. I didn't necessarily tell them not to do it, but I would question it and say, hey, are you sure? Because I don't want rentals to sit around a long time either. But um, usually the rent increases are baked into the lease. So you almost have to like really, really predict those like way ahead of time. So um, yeah, I would just look at the last three years and kind of take that, that trend <clears throat> and carry it forward. It's probably the best thing to do there. So, um, but like I said, I, I just trusted my rental company because it was just, that's, that's their strength. That's their superpower. They, they, um, they know what they should be. So that's what I did. That's what I would do. Okay. That's it for that one. Next question, please. All right. Next question. Uh, I have heard negative comments about using personality profiles for hiring, but I know that you use them. What specifically do you focus on and what do you, what do you take with a grain of salt? Okay. So this is a, this is a great question. And honestly, I think, first of all, you know, when you go on Amazon and you want to find something, a product, let's say you're looking for a vacuum cleaner and you find the type of vacuum cleaner that you want. And you, what do you do? You start looking at reviews. Everyone does that. And so I do it too. So you start looking at reviews and you see this one has a hundred reviews, three and a half stars. This one has 200 reviews, four stars. This one has 50 reviews, three stars. And this one has 5,000 reviews, four and a half stars. You go, well, that's an obvious, that's an obvious choice, right? I do this all the time, guys. I go, it's an obvious choice, right? 5,000 reviews, four and a half. Oh my gosh, that is so good. Like clearly this is the winner Be between that and 200 reviews at three and a half stars. Like I'm taking 5,000 reviews, four and a half stars all the time. 
But here's what we do as humans, because we are wired to be a little crazy. We go in and what do we do? We click on the reviews and we see 5,000 reviews. There's 4,500 five-star reviews or maybe even like what, 4,800. I don't know how the math all works out. And there's like, you know, a bunch of four stars, some three stars, a handful of two stars and a few one stars. What do we do? We go to the one stars. We hear the most horrible things about this vacuum, how terrible it was. It came broken. Customer service was terrible. Once I got it working, it stopped working after a week. This is the worst company in the world. I will never buy this again. And you go, well, that was horrible. Well, they just had a bad experience. Uh, I'll go to the two stars. Worst vacuum cleaner I've ever had. I'll never buy it again. It was broken. And you go, whoa. And you go to three stars and it's like, well, how these people had problems? Jeez, it seems like a lot of people had problems with this vacuum cleaner. We don't read the five stars because we just discount that. But we all go to the bottom and start figuring out what the biggest haters had to say about it. That's how I feel about people who are negative about personality profile hiring. Because it is important in the hiring process. But my long-winded story, my, my, little, my little story that I just told you, was a long-winded way of saying somebody's always going to have something negative to say. So I don't care about people who are negative about, you know, for this, in this case, using personality profiles and hiring. I think if you don't use personality profiles and hiring, you are crazy. Now, is it the one and only factor that I look at? Is Do I put all my eggs in the personality profile bucket? No, I do not. They are not perfect. There are some that are better than others, but they are not perfect. But what they do is, it's just like all the hiring process. You bring someone in for an hour and maybe you write down 15 questions that you're going to ask them. Do you gauge everything off of one of those questions? Or do you use all 15 to kind of give you this, this picture, this well-rounded picture of who this person might be? Of course, you use all 15 questions because you can't base it off of one. They might just have one bad answer for whatever reason. You don't base everything on a personality profile. It's just one more thing. It's one more tool in your tool belt to help you make a better, more informed decision. Here's what personality profiles are really good for, especially the really good ones. Now, I, there's a few that I've used and I can tell you what they are. And there's a bunch that I've never used that I can't really give you any feedback on. The three that I've used are the Colby, the DISC, and the Culture Index. Now, the Colby and the DISC are both either free or super cheap. They don't cost much. They're very, 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 very inexpensive or free. Um, the culture index is very, very, very expensive, uh, but I think it's the most accurate. The culture index is so accurate and so good that it has been uh, made admissible in court. So I'm telling you that just to paint the picture that there's within the world of personality profiles, there's varying degrees of reliability. But I think all of them are valuable for giving you a look underneath the hood of someone and how they're wired. And so you look at their personality profile and then they come in for the interview. First of all, I, I hire people and part of my, uh, criteria for sorting resumes is I know what personality profile I want to hire. And if someone is dramatically different or the opposite of what I have kind of know that I want, I don't even interview them. So I use personality profiles as 
one of the first sorting criteria. So they won't even come in if I don't like their personality profile. But if their personality profile says, you know, they're not very outgoing for, or, or they're a little more introverted, that's a better way of putting it. They're a little more introverted. And then they come into the interview and they're like super outgoing and super personable and very charismatic. I use the personality profile to realize this person is pretending to be a little more outgoing than they are. Now, it doesn't make them deceptive. It doesn't mean that as a red flag or I don't like them. But if you're an introvert, okay, you don't like talking to people you don't know, you don't enjoy social situations, you try to avoid awkward or, or situations that make you feel uncomfortable around people, that's, that's an introvert, right? But if you're going to apply for a job as an introvert, you know you can't be that way. You must must come out of your shell. You must be a little more friendly. You must put a smile on your face, walk in, shake their hand and be enthusiastic and, and very, uh, you know, happy to be there and excited, even though it's torture because you're an introvert. Does it sound like I'm saying this from someone who knows? Because I am. But you can't be that way. So I know if they come in and their personality profile says they're an extreme introvert and I'm talking to them and they seem very outgoing and friendly, I know that they are just modifying their behavior for the objective at hand. And the objective at hand is to get a job. And so they're modifying a little bit. Again, it doesn't make them deceptive. It doesn't make them a bad person. I just know if I'm hiring for them for something, let's just say I'm hiring to be a salesperson, I wouldn't have brought it in if they I would not have brought them in if they were an introvert and I'm hiring with them. But I'm just saying, as example, I wanted to have them, they need to have a lot of interaction with customers or clients. I, that wouldn't be my first choice for that position, even though they seem great in the interview. But that's what personality profiles do. They help you cut through some of the mm, ambiguity, some of the haze in an interview. And you go, I, this person's real outgoing, but I, I know that their natural state the way that they prefer to operate is much more inside themselves and a much more introverted person. There's nothing wrong with that. If I were hiring a, um, you know, a data analyst and they had this wild, you know, extroverted, must be around people to be happy personality, and I knew they were going to be locked in a cubicle analyzing data all day, I don't know that I would pick them, even if they wanted the job, because... I know ultimately they're not going to be happy. They must have human interaction or they won't be happy. And this is not a human interaction job or, or position. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring someone in or I wouldn't hire them if that's what their personality profile said. Now, does it mean they'd be bad at the job or they're horrible? No. It just means that they are going to be less happy with that job than someone whose personality was more in line with that position. And so I'll give you an example. When I hire a salesperson in my company, Usually on these personality profiles, there's there's like four categories. And the ones that I've used, there's always been four categories. And, and regardless of what the acronym or the letter is, like DISC or Colby or the Culture Index, there's always like some measure of the person's drive and competitiveness. And that's usually the first thing. Drive, competitiveness, how badly do they want and need to win versus on the other end of that scale, how much of a team player are they are they are how much do they need structure around the job and how much do they need to feel appreciated and the need you know reassurance that they're doing a good job right so that's like that first line 
like from one end to the other, right? And the second line has to do with like uh, their social ability. Um, how much do they like socializing? How much do they like talking? How much do they like people? And at the other end, how much do they not really enjoy people? How much do they would they prefer to just be quiet and work by themselves versus working together and, and have a lot of interaction with people and teams and all that, right? And so you go down this thing. So when I'm hiring a salesperson, I usually try to find somebody. I use the the personality profile to filter this. I want someone who's highly competitive and very much likes talking to people and being in a social environment. That those two traits are dominant in rockstar salespeople. Doesn't mean there aren't some exceptions, but if I'm going 80-20 here, if I'm trying to get a, a pool of the best candidates, I'm going to go for someone highly competitive and driven and highly social, loves to talk, loves to interact, loves people. That's a good salesperson. The opposite of that, not a good salesperson. And so I use personality profiles to filter. And I also use it to decide once I'm talking to somebody, I want to see, I want to see if these traits come out, right? And a lot of times we ask open-ended questions. I've gone away from interviewing people and having like these 15 questions that I just ask no matter what. I ask way more open-ended questions because I not only want to know their personality, you didn't ask this, but I'll tell you this in hiring, I also want to try to discover their values. I want to know what is truly important to them and how they conduct themselves on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's tricky because just asking people their values, I don't even know if that's legal, but you can ask questions where they will absolutely demonstrate their values to you if, if you ask the right questions. But as far as the personality profiles go, so important. It's important when you bring them in. It's important when you're filtering. Like I, I wouldn't, you know, if you have 100 applicants and only 10 or 15 meet the personality profile that you're looking for, then why even bring in the other 85 or 90? Why, why even bring them in? It's just a waste of your time. I would absolutely... Uh, I would absolutely only bring in the 10 or 15 that match the personality profile. And then you look for the best of those. It's a great filtering. But also, we do that when we hire because I also want to try to match the manager to the employee. So if it's not me or even is me, I know that I you there's certain personalities that are going to clash. You can just see it on paper before they even come in. It's likely they're not going to get along. So for me... I am not like I've taken these personality profiles. I've taken them all and they all come back the same. Um, every test has a different way of, of displaying it, but they all essentially say the same thing. And one of the things about me that I've learned through taking personality profiles is I don't have a high level of detail. And so if I bring someone in to work for me who doesn't have a high level of level of detail, I know they're not going to catch the things I miss. So depending on what they're doing, they may or may not need a high level of detail. So if I bring someone in who does have a high level of detail, let's just say they have a very high level of detail and I have a very low, but I'm training them, they're going to become very frustrated with me. And it'll be difficult for me to effectively train them and onboard them because they're going to need and require a higher level of detail and structure around the job than I am able to give them because I'm not detailed. And I just, I'm the go, go, go. And I don't have a lot of detail. And so they're going to, it's going to take them a long time to get trained or they're going to get frustrated and quit and, and they're going to be gone. Consequently, if I bring in someone with low detail, you know, they're going to miss stuff. So if they're there to help me not miss detail, I can't hire the low detail person. Won't work. I need the high detail person. 
but I may need to either modify myself and get more detailed for a short period of time so that I can train them. I'll be miserable putting in that level of detail with someone, but I may have to modify, but they'll get what they need and then they'll catch the stuff that I miss going forward. But you see what I just said, if I have to do that, the, as long as I'm doing that, I am miserable as a human being. And so that's why if someone were going to hire me and they saw my personality profile and they said, oh, this guy has a, uh, a low level of detail, but I need someone with a lot of detail, but they hire me anyway, they're going to be disappointed because I don't have the detail that they need. They should hire someone with more detail than me, even though I might be really, really good at a lot of things. And maybe I've run a business and I'm doing a million dollar business and I'm doing all this stuff. Don't hire me in your company to do something that requires a high level of detail because I'll fail. I'll just fail. Like I've had people ask me to do things, not necessarily hire me, but ask me to do things. And I just say, I, I can't like I'm not going to because I you'll be unhappy with it. I'll be unhappy while I'm doing it. I'll do it poorly. You'll be unhappy with me. Nobody wins. So let's not even go down that road. I know myself well enough. I can't do that. So I I need to surround myself with people who are strong where I am not. And that's really like the role of a really, really good leader is bring people in. Bring people who are strong where you're not. Empower them. Let them do their thing. And that's why I also don't micromanage. Right. A low detail person is not a micromanager. I am not a micromanager. I can't. I hate it and I can't do it. So I, I need to bring people in that are very competent that I think are really, really great. And I need to let them be great and get out of their way and try to min minimize the amount of input because the more I get involved, the more I'm going to muck things up and my and I'm not going to even follow through. So I'll just frustrate people and then I'll, I'll step out and they'll just be like, well, what is it? What are we doing now? I don't understand what we're supposed to do. Right. So personality profiles, if I haven't made this point yet, are insanely important, but they're not everything. But you need to know because people can modify in an interview. I can I can seem like someone I'm not if I really want a job bad enough. And it's it's almost the most acceptable form of lying in our society is lying on a on an in an interview. And by lying, I mean not lying about where you worked or what you did but lying about who you are, pretending to be an outgoing, charismatic, happy to talk person when all you want is for everyone to leave you alone and shut up or acting like you're highly detailed and leading everyone to believe that your level of detail is extremely high when it's not. And you know that it's not right. So that's what I mean by by lying. We So a lot of we've, we've been taught and trained and we find it almost acceptable to go into an interview and pretend to be what you think they want you to be, a personality profile will cut through that BS and it will help you. Uh, it'll help you hire the right person in a job where they'll be happy because that's that's the other side of this, right? Like I've been talking a lot about as the as the employer, as the person hiring the person. Like I want to get the right person so they'll do a great job and they'll 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 be in the right spot. But you're you're not doing the person that you're hiring any favors by hiring them into a position that you know they are not going to be happy because they'll do it for a while, but then they'll end up doing the job poorly because they hate it or they'll end up quitting or they'll stay and maybe they'll do a good job, but they're miserable, right? It's a, it's a lose situation for them. It's a losing situation. So using personality profiles, only hiring people that are hardwired to not only be good at the job, but enjoy that job, like you're doing them a huge favor because Getting a job and then getting fired is certainly not fun.
right? Most of us have been there. We've been fired one time or another in our life. It sucks. And so you want, you want these personality profiles to cut down on that. So forget the negativity, use them. I highly suggest you use them. Um, if you can use the culture index, that's great, but it's a, it's a big price tag. So I'm not pushing that, but the disc I like quite a bit as well. Um, I've used the Colby, not, not as much as the disc. So I like the disc quite a bit. Culture index is the best disc is, would be my second choice. And I, I think I would use it. I would take it seriously. And, um, I would let that help you. It's almost like you have a little bit of x-ray vision. You can see past the wall. You can see what's on the other side of the wall to kind of really know what's going on behind the scenes, not just what they're telling you in the interview, because people will tell you what you want to hear. It's just, like I said, the most acceptable form of, of lying in our society. So use those, those profiles. They're, they're very, very helpful. All right, guys. That is it for this week. I appreciate you being here. I've had a lot of fun. Again, jump over to my website if you haven't yet, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. It's right there on the screen. You can go and grab that completely free course that I put a ton of time into. It walks through my direct mail from A to Z. People who have been through it, I've gotten some really, really great feedback. I honestly consider charging a couple hundred dollars for it. I think that would have been low also, but at the end of the day, I, I want to get into as many hands as possible. So it's free. I may charge at some point. So grab it now. It is free. It'll be free. As far as I know, I'm not going to change that. But who knows? I may change it at some point. So go and grab it so you can utilize it. I'd love your feedback. You're, you're welcome to give me feedback right in the course as an option for you to leave comments. That's totally fine. You can shoot me an email if you want, anytime you want at mike at juststartrealestate.com. Can't wait to talk to you next week, guys. Go out there and make it happen. And we'll see you next time. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.